All right, church, if you are able, would you please um, stand for the reading of God's word this morning? Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and brittle or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, a righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. This is the word of God. All right, George, you may be seated. Well, good morning, everybody. Um, For those of you who I do not know, uh, my name is Brian Carroll. I serve as one of the pastors here on staff at Redeemer, and uh, I'm just thankful to to look around this room and to see uh, so many faces and just so many uh, people whom I love and have been encouraged by, and um, it's just, it's always a gift, uh, regardless of the circumstances, um, for the church to be together, Um, because when we're together, the hope is that we are reminded of this shared hope we have in Christ. Uh, and so anyways, if you haven't already, go ahead and turn your, turn your Bibles into to Psalm 32. Um, uh, and as you're, you're turning there, uh, I know we're a, a few weeks removed, um, but we are, uh, if you remember, uh, our October 31st is this famous day called Halloween. And I know there's probably mixed feelings. What do we do on Halloween and things like that? But November 1st, I think, is a day that many of us can all celebrate because November 1st is the day in which Halloween candy goes on sale. Can I get an amen on that? Um, and so whether you go into H-E-B or Target or Walmart or Dollar General, whatever your uh, store preference is, um, you're going to look, you got to kind of search it out, but you can find usually in the corner of one of those stores, uh, this discounted candy. And not just like, like the, the, the bad stuff, like the good and plenties and, you know, the stuff nobody wants. Who even eats good and plenties, by the way? Does anybody? Amen, church. Amen. We're unified. Um, <laughs> But right now, the good stuff, and, and, and like, you know, the Reese's, the Snickers, the Kit Kats, and, and really the only difference is in regular Snickers, Reese's, and Kit Kats is that there's a little Halloween packaging on it. That's it. Uh, the rest of it is uh, just, it's, it's good. It's the same thing. And, and so if you're like me, uh, for those of you who know me, uh, know that uh, I have a, a high, high sweet tooth. I love candy. And so it is really easy for me. I, I, I am... I may or may not have this week uh, cleared an entire bag of the candy corn pumpkins on my own because I'm the only one in my house that likes them. 
Uh, don't judge. So I know, I, know, I know candy corn is a means of division here, um, but I love it. I know who I am. I know what I'm about. Um, but it's really easy for me, uh, especially when there's an abundance of candy around, um, to, to overindulge. Anybody else there? Yeah, so I mean, like, it's just there, it's accessible. I mean, you may remember when you grew up as a kid, like, candy was kind of like that thing, it was like above the fridge, you couldn't really reach. Your parents may every now and then, like, would, like, give you a piece. But when you're an adult, like, like, who's, what's stopping you, right? Like, it is so easy to give into the desires, to the indulgences of the flesh, and sometimes the flesh just craves candy corn, Right? And so it's, it's so easy uh, for me just to, 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 to eat and eat and indulge and indulge. And lo and behold, you would not be surprised that I often uh, bemoan to my wife that, oh, I don't feel good. Oh, I, this isn't really that good. But yet I still over and over again will overindulge. I'm 36. Maybe I'll learn this lesson when I'm 40. I don't know. No, no. Um, but so, so, it, so, so it's no secret, though, um, that, that this, this kind of describes, I think, what's in a lot of us. Um, we have these desires and these things that we want to indulge in um, that are oftentimes portrayed as good, beautiful, and, 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 and fun, uh, but in actuality is, is destructive. Um, this really describes the, the nature of sin, the desires of the flesh are these things that, again, on the outside looking in, look like something I want to participate in, look like something that's going to, to be helpful and good, but at the end of the day, it's only going to give you a bellyache and, and is something that's going to be incredibly destructive. Sin gives this false illusion um, that it is going to give you something that you really want. It's going to give you a happy and good and blessed life when all it really gives you in return is death and destruction. There is no life attached to sin, no matter how good it's packaged. And what I'm excited to talk about this morning in Psalm 32 is that Psalm 32 gives us this picture that the good life is not giving in to these indulgences and desires and whatever it is you want to participate in, but rather the good life comes through forgiveness, through repentance. The blessed life ultimately is one of dependence, the happy life, the good life. And so when we get to Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2, if you've been with us since the beginning of the series, it should kind of trigger up some memories of Psalm 1. So Psalm 32 says, uh, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man who, against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. If, if you remember back to Psalm 1, um, this should be very familiar language. Psalm 1, let me go ahead and read it for us. says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. See, Psalm 1 is giving this, this picture, this contrast of the, of the man, of, of the blessed man is one who delights in the law of the Lord and is not one who pursues sin, who not, is not one who sits in the seat of scoffers or uh, stands in the way of sinners. Um, but the, the, the way of, of the blessed man is one who in, in, seeks his delight in the Lord. And what is really cool is when you see in Psalm 32, Psalm 32 is a callback to Psalm 
one. And it begins to tease out a little bit more what is this blessed life really all about? What does it mean for us to be blessed? Because here's the thing. As a reminder, the word blessed means happy. Happy is the one. Joyful is, is the one. And I obviously, happy is not, being happy is not the end goal of humankind. Like our goal in life is not to be happy, but also it's not wrong to want to be happy. It's not a bad thing to want to be happy. And, and, and the, the way this psalm starts, it's, it's calling upon this very human thing. I mean, when, we, uh, are, when you're asked, like, hey, what do you want for your kids? A lot of times you ask, I just want them to be happy. Uh, or, or like when you think about your own life, like, I, again, like, Happy kind of brings back good memories and, and, and fun times. Again, it is not a bad thing to be happy. It's not the ultimate thing that we want to pursue, but happiness in and of itself is not a bad thing. And what Psalm 32 is going to help us see is how do we really get to the blessed life? And so what you might have noticed in, in Psalm, verses 1 and 2, we're back in, in 32 now, is that there's three different words used to describe the nature of sin. And then there's three different words that is described on how God handles the sin. And so what are the three words that, that the psalmist used, that David used for sin? He says, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. Transgression is this willful rebellion. I am intentionally going in the opposite direction of, that you are telling me to go in. It's, it's this intentional rebellion. So it says, blessed is the man whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Sin is, it simply means to miss the mark. It's an archery term. If you're, a, if you're into that thing, you know archery is you get the bullseye, you're trying to hit the target, and when you hit outside the target, you miss the mark, right? So, so sin is missing the mark of God's holiness. It's this, un, it's, it's this intentional, sometimes unintentional uh, way we go about life in which we are deviating from the will of God. And then we see in, in, in verse 2, he says, Blessed is the man whom the Lord counts no iniquity. Iniquity is this more intentional, crooked, and wrongful act. It's, it's, giving, it's this crooked act that's, that flows from these, uh, these fleshly desires that we have. It is a little bit more in, intentional. And so what the psalmist, though, is doing by listing out all these different descriptions of sin is that he's creating this picture of what the nature of sin is. When we sin, we are rebelling against God and his commandments. We are minimizing his holiness. We are missing the mark of his holiness. And ultimately, we are seeing our own way, our own desires, our own flesh as better than what he would have for us. This is the, the picture that the, the, the psalmist is given by, by listing these three uh, words for sin. But... I think it's what's also important to note here, the, the context in which they are written. Because the, the, the context of the psalm in itself in its entirety, it, it has actually more, it's more of a thankfulness uh, kind of connotation to it. It's, it's one, the psalmist is grateful. He's thankful because, because why? Because these different things of sin, these different categories of sin, the Lord doesn't hold against them. He's celebrating the forgiveness and the grace of God. And so as we see three different words used for sin, we see three different words that uh, describe how God handles sin. So let's go back through verse one and, two, 1 and 2. He says, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. Forgiven means to be carried off, to be taken away. It's not there anymore. And he says, uh, 
And then who's, also he says, whose sin is covered. This, the word covered means concealed, to, to cover up, to hide, meaning that God, he actually uses it in, in the negative sense here in, in later verses. But in this specific context, he said God covers it up. He hides it. It's no more. And then he says in verse 2, blesses the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. It's this, we did this wrongful act. We did this act of rebellion. And when we turn from it, we acknowledge it. As he says in verse 5, the Lord doesn't hold it against us, doesn't count it. Doesn't, it's not a part of our account anymore. And so what we see is that uh, the truly happy person is not someone who has lots of wealth and success and status and power, the things that often our world would describe as um, what happiness, how we attain happiness, Rather, happiness is attained through this forgiveness, this, this love, this grace, this mercy that we receive when we turn from our sin, when we acknowledge our ways. But then we see in verses 3 and 4 that the psalmist gives a picture of what, is it, what was it like before he acknowledged his sin, before he turned from his ways. Uh, what, was his, what was it like uh, for him? What was it like for David when he didn't acknowledge it. Let's look in verses three and four. He says, for when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. And so what does it mean to keep silent about sin? So, so the way that it's written here, this wasn't just the Psalm David ignoring his sin, but rather he was resolute in not acknowledging it. He was firm that I'm not going to deal with this thing. I'm not going to even acknowledge it. He was intentionally hiding and ignoring. And he wasn't just undermining it as an issue. He was just flat out saying it's not an issue. So when he's talking about being his sin, he's being silent in his sin he, it's not just as like, I, I, I know it's there, but I'm going to get, it's just like, it's not there. I'm resolute in not bringing it up. It's this, this willful rebellion. It's this trans, transgression against the Lord that I, I'm not even going to go there. And, and, and what we see um, is that this, the picture that he gives uh, of, like, of, of what the fruit of this silence was is that my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. And then he says in verse four, for, your, for day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. So, so the psalmist in verses three and four was resolute in not bringing us in before the Lord. And the Lord's response was that his hand was heavy upon him. His hand was, was very much, his presence was very, very much there. But what we see is that what the fruit of his silence was not life, it was not safety, but rather it was agony. It was pain. It was destruction. It was this, this, this intense pain because the hand of the Lord was heavy upon him. And then he gives this image that I think all of us in West Texas are very, very familiar with. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Do we not remember 35, degrees of 100, 35 days of, of 105 degrees or more? this summer, right? That was brutal. I mean, it, it was not only for me personally, who I love this cold, dreary weather. That's, that's just, I love it. 
Um, but in the heat of summer, uh, when we're setting records of high temperatures, like when he says, my strength was dried up, I felt that. Anyone else? And, and so, so I, that image is describing really the climate of, of the Middle East because that's the context in which this was written. But I think we understand when he says that this, my strength was dried up in the heat of summer because when we are dried up of strength, we feel lifeless. We just don't want to do anything. Our strength, and not just our strength, meaning like our ability to do physical things, but our just mental state is just like, I'm done, I'm checked out. And so the image, this is the image that is being painted when David was resolute in not acknowledging his sin. It was lifeless. Now, I think it would be important for us to pause here and ask a really important question and not gloss over this too quickly. Um, Why might we want to be silent about our sin? Why why might we want to not acknowledge it? Why might we not want to... um, just go there. Recognize the depths of, of the pain that it brings up. Recognize the depths of our own brokenness. Why do you want, you want to move on just kind of quickly? Um, those of us who, who are believers in here, we understand, we probably know the feeling when we're hiding something, don't we? Um, there's that pit of anxiety in our chest when we know that there's something that we need to bring to the light, um, when we need to... Uh, bring in the open, there's that feeling that we just understand that it, really it's conviction um, that, man, there, there, there is some way I am walking in right now that is not good for me, that is not helpful for me. It's actually destructive. And I'm really ex- describing my own experience of how I've personally handled sin in the past when I've wanted to hide from it, when I wanted to, to ignore it. There's this intense, just like heaviness and you know you're, you're, you're hiding something because you try to defend it, you try to move away, you try in your thoughts, try to like brush it over. But it's like when you're in the stillness of the, of the night, where do you default go to but to that thing you're hiding? Anybody? And so the reason why I think we oftentimes will hide or be silent about our sin is because I think there's a, there's a temptation that that's going to give us safety. It is safe to be quiet about this thing. It is good for me and for those around me if I just, we're, we, don't, we don't bring this up. It, it, it is for the well-being uh, of my family and my friends uh, and really for, 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 for my life that, then you know what, like, this thing just stays where it needs to be and that's buried. I mean, I think we feel that temptation, don't we? Like, we, the, reason, the reason whenever we, sin in some way. Like there's a lot of shame and guilt attached to that. And, and a lot of times with shame and guilt, that can instill fear. And whenever, whenever, a lot of times what we do with our own fears is that we brush quickly past it. And instead of dealing with it the way that the Lord would have us, we just want to just pretend it's not there. There's a safety that we are, we are confusing ourselves with, that we are thinking that it's to be had when we are silent about our sin. And, and this is what the post, this kind of posture uh, is something that the, the, the author of Proverbs would say, being wise in our own eyes. Let me read Proverbs 3, uh, 5 through 8 for us. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. 
Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. The psalmist would tell you, would tell me, would tell himself, while in the moment it might feel safe to be silent about your sin, it only is going to crush you. It is only going to lead to destruction. It is only going to lead, not for your good. And, the, and, and when we think that hiding is for our own good, that's what we would describe as leaning on our own understanding, being wise in our own eyes. And what the, the author of Psalm 32 would have you do is do not be wise in your own eyes. Do not lean on your own understanding because your own understanding is broken. But the wisdom of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, the trust in the Lord is actually when there's true life to be had. And, and, and this, this anxiety, that, that this, this, this feeling of destruction, the strength being dried up um, was actually a grace of God for the psalmist. God's hand being heavy upon him when he was silent about his sin, God's hand being heavy upon us when we are silent about our sin, when we feel that anxiety in our chest, when we know we're doing something we're not supposed to be doing is a grace of God. The fact that God doesn't leave you alone in your sin is an act of mercy for him and is an act that he loves you. And, and so, so how does then the psalmist respond in light of this, this, this agony, this pain from hiding in this sin? Look at verse 5. I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord. And what did he do? You forgave the iniquity of my sin. Notice, again, uh, in verse 5, what three words come back up? I acknowledge my sin to you. I do not cover my iniquity. I will confess my transgressions. Why do you think he's bringing these, these words back up for sin? Why is he bringing this back up? I think it's trying to emphasize the point that there is a whole spectrum of the kinds of sin that was he was being silent about. And no matter what the kind of sin was that he was bringing out, it was all going to be, it was all able to be forgiven. The iniquity, the willful rebellion, the, the intentional, unintentional, crooked, willful ways that missed the mark of God's holy, whatever it might be, all of it, all of it was able to be forgiven when it was acknowledged. That's good news. And the, the, the fruit Oh, the, 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 the result of him acknowledging was forgiveness. Was God carrying away, was taking away the sin, was removing it. The psalmist knew ultimately where his safety was. It was not in him keeping silent about his sin. It was not in, in pretending this thing's not there. But rather, he's found his safety in the Lord, in the presence of God. And what I love about this, and this is what I love about Scripture, is that I think 
what he's doing in verse five. And really this whole psalm is he's calling back to something that was in the Torah in Exodus 34 when Moses has this moment and he's with God. He's in the presence of God and God reveals himself to Moses. This is what God says in Exodus 34. He says, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands. And look at this forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Where have we seen those three words before? I think he had Psalm Exodus 34 in mind when he wrote this. He was ultimately relying on the character of God. He knew who God was and that God was a God who was abundant in steadfast love and grace and mercy. That, that, can, that, that love and grace and mercy cannot be depleted. And so no matter what it was that he was going to bring to him, this is what he knew he was going to get in return, forgiveness, welcoming back in. And so what I love about this in in Psalm 32 is that the heart of God is not to reject the sinner, but lean into the sinner who realizes their need for him. God leans in. God has always been a God of leaning in. And we see the culmination. We see the gospel pop through in Psalm 32 because ultimately, what did God do but send his son, Jesus, to step into our broken mess and to to ultimately go to the cross, pay, uh, pay the penalty that we deserve so that we might have our sin fully dealt with, fully carried away, and that we might be welcomed back into his family and we might be received into his uh, loving embrace and loving arms. And our role in this is faith in his son and turning from the ways that we thought were best. Turning from our sin is, is what, the, what God requires and faith in Jesus. God has always been a God of leaning in. You look in Philippians 2. Paul writes this about Jesus and says, uh, and being found in human form, he being Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Here's what this means for us. Because of what Jesus did for us, he defeated sin, death, Satan, our biggest threats. You don't have to hide anymore. You don't have to be silent anymore. You don't have to try to find safety in pretending that there's not brokenness in you. Because guess what? Newsflash, we're all broken. A huge lie of the enemy is for, is for him, for you, to help you think, oh, that person next to me, they've got their act together. They, they have no sin. There's no brokenness in them. Some of us just do a better job of hiding it. And the encouragement here this morning is to not. So if you are hiding, don't. Safety, security, shelter is not found in being silent about sin, but it's in the Lord. Look in verse 6 and 7. 
Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, you shall not reach him. Check this out. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I think the big reason why a lot of us don't bring our sin to light is because there's that fear of consequence. Again, there's that safety that we feel in being able to control our circumstances and control what people know or don't know about us. I get it. I understand. I've been there, truly. But, but true safety and security is found in the Lord because what true trouble is, is the destruction that comes from our sin. The thing that we need to be really delivered from is the destruction of our sin. And where do we find shelter and safety in the midst of that? But not in our own wisdom, but in the Lord. The word, when he says in verse seven, you are a hiding place, that literally means shelter, refuge, which also, again, is a call back to Psalm 2, because Psalm 2 ends is, blessed are those who take refuge in the Lord. Blessed are those who take refuge in the Lord. Safety comes from us realizing our need for the Lord. Safety comes from us acknowledging our ways. Grace and mercy, forgiveness, is what follows the person who brings their sin to the Lord. More of Jesus is what follows the person who trusts in the way of the Lord as opposed to our own. And that's what our souls really need. The consequences of our sin is not the thing that will destroy you. It is your sin. And praise be to God that he made a way for us. He leaned in. The fruit of repentance is finding a greater delight in what the, our soul needs. And what our soul really needs is more of God. And we look at verse 10. What is the promise Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Steadfast love surrounds those who trust in the Lord. Isn't that what we want? Isn't that the thing our souls really need? And so the implications of the gospel here, my friend, is that in order for you to access this love of God, in order for you to access this Uh, presence, this forgiveness, this grace. Your role is to not perform and think you have to do something to get it, but rather your role is to simply acknowledge, Jesus, I need you. You did the thing that I could not do. You paved the way, and what you can receive in return is a welcoming love from your Father. And so, um, Here's what I want us to do right now. So as the psalm is structured, um, verses one through five share with us this need for us to repent and why it's so good for us. And then verses six through 11 is really the response to repentance. And, And the way that verse six begins, it says, therefore let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. And so really, uh, repentance, uh, this turning from our sin, this acknowledging of our sin, uh, the fruit of that is ultimately uh, more of God. And how do we access more of God? But through being with him in prayer. The, 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 the application of repentance is prayer. And so 
Here's what I want us to do um, for the next few moments. And Tyler, you can um, go ahead and come back up. Um, I want to give us space uh, to, to, to deal with what is Psalm 1 through 5 encouraging us to do. If, if and, 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 and again, the, the, the goal of verses 1 through 5 is to help us see that our need for God, repentance and, uh, of our sin is an aspect of what we need for God, but we don't need God just um, so we can stop sinning. We just need God, period. We need him to meet us in the moments that we're in, the pain that we're in, the suffering that we're in. Again, some of our suffering might be a result of our own sin and brokenness. But some of our suffering actually might be the result of just life being hard. And so offering a prayer in verse 6, it's, it's, it's really this all-encompassing life thing. And yes, it is the result of a heart that recognizes its need for the gospel. But it's, it's, it's something that I think we can, can lean on even when sin and our own hiding isn't the thing that's maybe the issue. Because maybe the issue is and you're, you've lost loved ones. Maybe the issue is you just lost your job and you're feeling the pain of like, how do I provide for my family? Maybe the issue is um, there is something I need to share with my friends and family and I'm scared, and I'm fearful of what's going to happen. Maybe the issue is there are situations in your life you have no control over. There's people in your life that you want to be reconciled with. Maybe there's hurts and wounds that you are, have been carrying for a long time. There's a lot of things that this offering up a prayer that we can utilize it for. And so I want us to give us space to do that. So before we take communion, um, I want to give us have a time of prayer. Um, I want you to use this time. If there is something you need to confess and to acknowledge before the Lord, please do that. And, and as, as the psalm promises, what you will receive in response is forgiveness and acceptance. You don't have to hide. I want you to use this space if there's something you need to be praying through, if there's something that you are working through or struggling with, or there's a circumstance in your life that is just so painful and you don't even know where to go, we want you to sit with it and give you space just to let Jesus and his love for you minister to you in this moment. Um, we have, Our elders will kind of be scattered throughout the room. I'll be down here as well. If you want someone to pray with you, either turn to someone who's around you or come to one of us. We'd love to pray for you. Um, but we just want to take this moment to offer up a time of prayer before the Lord. Offer up, um, because this is, this, is, this is a time where he says, offer up a time of prayer when the Lord may be found. He's very present right now. He is not far. He is near. And if he is near, you are free to go to him. And so what we're going to do is, I'm, I'm going to just give us some space for a few minutes to pray. I'll come back up here. We'll do, we'll do communion, but take advantage of this time 
Um, if you Again, if you need someone to pray for you, we would love to do that. And so let us give up this time to the Lord and let him remind us of his goodness and grace through his son, Jesus.